We're going to have a good show. It's going to be entertaining, uh, podcasting. I'm just getting myself motivated. And now you just heard me talk about the night the air went out in Texas. To elaborate further, a man who was in the building, big time NBA writer, the real deal, host of a podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I did it and did forget the name. Don't worry about that. Howard's going to tell you soon. <laughs> Full name now, Mr. Howard Beck. How you doing, Howard? I'm doing well, Jamil. Good to see you again. Uh, appreciate uh, you coming over on the Crossover Podcast for there Sports Illustrated. There it was. And uh, glad to uh, be back with you to talk about the night that we all nearly melted into a pool of mass sweat on the floor of the AT&T Center. San Antonio, Texas, in the middle of June, the air is out for hours in the building? Hours. And here's the thing. If you've been to San Antonio, you know that when you're outside of the building or any building, you're already melting into the asphalt because it's hot and it's humid, it's sweltering, it's gross, but there's an NBA game to be played indoors. And so you think, well, okay, I can still get dressed up like I normally would and go into this game and I'll be fine. Cause that's what we do. We, we need to look semi-presentable as reporters. Like yeah, we're not exactly, you know, fashion plates here, but sport coat, dress shirt. That's what you're expecting, Jamal. And you don't get any clue that anything's happening until about midway through the second quarter. Like, it's a very gradual thing. We were the lobsters or the frog in the slowly boiling pot that you don't realize until it's too late. Oh, no, we're all dead. And you have on a wool jacket. Yes. My 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 best men's warehouse, George Zimmerman. George Zimmer? Zimmer. Those are two names you should not mix up. Confused. Look, it's early. Oh, am I, <laughs> don't worry about that. We're not going to, nobody's. Know, the yeah. guy who says, I guarantee it. Not the, not, not that yeah, not the awful other, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Different. Absolutely. I had on my best men's warehouse. I'm not kidding about the men's warehouse thing, by the way. That's, that's a real <laughs> thing. You'll kill me if you want to, but. Come on. You like the way you looked in that. I, I, I do. He guaranteed it. I believed him. So <laughs> we're, we're sitting there on press row. We're sitting there and you start to, you, you do feel like it's getting hotter and humid in the building, and that's a little unusual. And we're asking it, we're turning to each other, like, is it just me? Like, am I am I getting the flu? Am I having hot flashes? Like, what's going on? I don't know. And then you realize, you start looking around, and like, no, everybody, people are taking off their coats. They're taking off their free Spurs shirts that were given out pregame, right, that were sitting on all the seats, all the, like, black t-shirts. Like, they took off all that. And then you look around, and there's those placards they hand out. They say, like, go Spurs, go, NBA Finals, or whatever on them. And people are all using them as fans now. Everybody's waving these things in their in their faces. The entire place, 20,000 people, whatever that building holds, everyone is just sweltering, drenched. I'm sweating through. I'm, I'm sweating like a, a, a an offensive tackle standing on the Herald Square subway platform in the middle of July in New York City. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm not a big man. You see, I, I'm sweating yeah. like a 400-pound like a man. And... My sport coat, I'm I'm soaked through. It was gross. It was by far. I've, I've covered, I think, like 2,000 NBA games in 24 years. It was by far the most uncomfortable I've been. Oh, just like the building is an actual oven bag. I can't get over it. Watching it on TV, you can see everybody starting to fan themselves. I can't imagine what it felt like. I'm imagining now, like, you're trying to write notes on a legal pad and the sweat <laughs> is dripping 
off your nose type. On the notebook, on the keyboard, on everything. <sighs> of course, on top of it all, AT&T Center, infamous among us in the media for being a place that is uh, sponsored by, named for a telecommunications company, but has the worst Wi-Fi in the NBA. So we now have the, the double jeopardy of yeah. the Wi-Fi won't work. I'm sweating to death. Um, it was... Uh, it was fairly miserable. I remember at one point uh, late in the game, I think Doris Burke on the national broadcast actually like they somehow got her a thermometer or something, an air thermometer, so she could show like it's 90 plus degrees in here at court level. It was awful. Let me ask you this. Who was the hottest looking person you saw? there? <laughs> like, was there actually somebody like you look at you're like, man, this is crazy. And then you turn to your left and you see a man in a purple silk suit with like a white bowler hat. His perm is all fucked up. Like, did you see anything like that? I, do, I don't recall seeing anything like that. Guaranteed there was something like that there. Fortunately, I wasn't sitting next to anybody even larger than I, you know, like, like, like I wasn't sitting next to anybody who I thought was going to like pass out, right? From just the utter heat and uncomfortableness, whatever. There was no, you know, it never got that bad. I think the only person I was sitting next to, if, if I recall correctly, I was right next to my uh, my colleague at the time, Ethan Skolnick. And um, I, I think we would just, you know, we just got to that point where it's like, what do we do? Do we take off our coat? Okay, we can take off our sport coats. We can't start stripping down to like our shorts. Like, but that's what it felt like. It felt like this is what you need to do. It was like a, a hot summer day where you just, you, you take everything off to feel comfortable again, but we can't because uh, we are professional reporters covering an NBA finals game in San Antonio. Do you regret not going down to the boxer briefs? Come on, man. You would have changed. You would have, it like, we're talking about Rushmore Hall of Fame. The night the air went out, Howard Beck is courtside in his hands in a beater covering the game. Can, can you imagine like the press conference afterward, you know, because they put the camera on the media, which is yeah. bad enough, by the way, like we don't need, no one needs to see us, Jamel. Can you imagine like, uh, all right, we will uh, now take questions for coach Popovich, uh, Howard Beck, uh, uh, what do you, what do you got? And then like they turn and like everybody out there is just like, we're just naked from the waist up. That would be uh, that would be a phenomenal moment in NBA finals history. And it would have been warranted. It's the, and it's like the Spurs seem like the most like, right and just NBA organization. They just they just learned how to do crisp chess passes and <laughs> like there's never been no beef. This is their only time that feels anything like a deflate gate. You got LeBron coming to down, it feels intentional. But there's no way it's intentional. This is just ownership and like the building being ass. I mean, it did spawn some conspiracy theories, Jamel, uh, because everything that happens in the NBA must spawn a conspiracy theory. It's it's uh, it's an unwritten law of the NBA. I mean, also they're they're run by Greg Popovich, right? Pop, who like trained as like some international spy in the Air Force before becoming a coach. Like we don't know what this man's capable of. I don't think he did that. I don't think the Spurs did that intentionally. I'm just saying when these kinds of things happen, and especially if it involves the Spurs and Greg Popovich, people are going to start to the, you know rub their chin a little. Also, there was a moment. There was a moment in, I believe, the fourth quarter after LeBron had started cramping up and all that was going yeah. on where he had been mic'd for that game. And he said something to the effect of, they're trying to smoke us out of here. So <laughs> certainly, certainly the Heat players were kind of wondering if this was some sort of plot to, uh, to defeat them. I have more Spurs thoughts, but let's get into that Heat team. 
if the air is on, is that enough to swing the series for them? This is like what a like an amazing what if for NBA history because you know one game we can say that's just one game and, and, and literally it was game one right you've got the whole rest of the series to win four out of six and you're the Miami Heat you're the back to back NBA champs at that point you just won the previous two titles you've got LeBron and Wade and Bosh Heatles all this stuff you're supposed to have enough regardless so the easy answer is. You still had other chances. The sure. the AC did not malfunction, thank God, in game two <laughs> or any further games. But game one sets a tone. And they were up in that game. They were up in the fourth quarter. They were up, I believe, when LeBron went down. And he goes out of the game with the cramps. He tries to come back in. Can't do it. Has to leave again. And, you know, look, that Miami Heat team, one thing to remember Dwayne Wade's on a bad knee at that point. He's, he's 32, which should be young, but it's not. Like, th- he like, plays hard. These guys, the, when the guards got explosive, it's hard on the knees. Derrick Rose, yeah. John Wall, it's all through the history of explosive guard play. So, so Wade is breaking down. Bosh is a great player, but not, not a guy who creates. And then you look at the rest of that roster. Shane Battier was like 35 and retired as soon as that series was over. Rashard <laughs> Lewis was older. Udonis Haslam has just always been old. He was born old and he was old then. Um, all of their best supporting cast, the guys who had helped the big three win those back-to-back titles in Miami, that cast was eroding. So they needed LeBron all that much more. And if LeBron does not have those cramps, if the AC doesn't go out, I think there's a good chance the Heat win that game. Plus, now they've stolen home court advantage. Yeah, it could change the outcome of this series. I'm not saying it would have, but it's reasonable to think that it very well could have. This is the same Spurs team they'd beaten the year before, of course, on a miracle shot by Ray Allen. But, um, you know, and think about it. So that would have been a three-peat for the Heat. LeBron would have won his third straight. Is that enough to keep LeBron in Miami instead of going back to Cleveland that summer? I don't know. Kawhi Leonard doesn't win finals MVP if it goes the other way. Uh, Duncan and Pop have four titles instead of five. Yeah, I, who knows what the other reverberations could have been, but clearly the AC going out mm. in game one of the 2014 finals had a major impact. Damn, I didn't even think about how that could set off the timeline. So LeBron wins three in a row. Now it's like, all right, we're going to try for four in a row. Battier probably still retires, but then they reload with younger guys. So there's a world where he's trying for four in a row. He might not go back to, he would still go back to Cleveland. He would end up back in Cleveland instead of going to LA at all, I think. I think, to be fair, I think LeBron had it in mind that he wanted this redemption play in Cleveland. And he was going to be a free agent that summer. And if you win three in a row, and again, the AC going out or not going out doesn't magically change Dwayne Wade's eroding arthritic mm. knee, right? And if LeBron is looking around at his Miami supporting cast and going, well, you know what? It got old in a hurry. And my, my, my best tag team partner, Dwayne, is, is not who he was when I got here a few years ago. And I can go play with Kyrie and Kevin Love and do this redemption play in Cleveland, bring a, a championship to Ohio. That's still attractive, and maybe even more so if he thinks, well, I just got a three-peat in Miami. What, what more is there to do? You know, uh, He probably, I think, I think, probably leaves anyway. Uh, but <laughs> you never know how, how the, the third championship might have changed. Things. 
Does the third championship affect Space Jam 2? There's a uh, there's a fun rip in the space-time continuum. Come um, on. I don't know. I mean, maybe by now we would have already been to Space Jam 3. You know? We're on, LeBron wins three in a row in Miami. Everybody is off the Michael Jordan train. All of the all of the common fans are like, he's the greatest. He stays in Miami. Now Space Jam 2 is a buddy cop movie with him and D. Wade. Now it's <laughs> now it's straight up 48 hours with the Looney Tunes, and it's rated R and it's nasty and it's crazy. I like that movie. I want to watch that movie. Come on, man. That. They gotta they gotta go to space and solve a mystery. I'm in. That involves money laundering. Can we get Nick Nolte in there too somehow? You know Nick Nolte's available. <laughs> I'm in. Okay. Shit, me too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That miracle, I feel like the team that lost to the Heat the year before, I often wonder if that team is better than the team that beat the Heat the next year. That's an interesting one. You know, the thing I remember most about the the, the 2014 edition of the Spurs, you know, they get Boris Diaw in there and they've got this like almost entirely international cast. And they were all about ball movement, right? This is an older Duncan and an older Parker and an older Ginobili and a young Kawhi who we did not see coming. And suddenly becomes finals MVP. But this was the ball movement, all for one, one for all. Everybody's happily sharing the ball, passing up good for great shots, all that stuff, great Spurs stuff, uh, versus the iso ball, star-heavy Miami Heat who can't create if LeBron doesn't have the ball in his hands or maybe Wade if his knees are feeling okay. And so this was around the time the NBA had first created all those fancy advanced stats we could look up on NBA.com and included passes per game and passes leading to to you know passes leading to an assist passes the you know, the uh, hockey uh, assists all that stuff secondary all this st- so we could track all this and what i recall is that like night by night we were seeing like whoa the spurs are passing it like you know 50 times more than the it was probably like four times more than than the heat <laughs> but the spurs were all about this like beautiful ball movement beautiful game that was keeping the heat off balance and creating open shots for these less dominant individual offensive players for the Spurs and the heat could not manufacture enough just out of isolation. And so that became a major uh, theme of that. I don't know if that makes the Spurs team in 14 in, in uh, I, I don't know if the 13 Spurs team was better than the 14 team. It probably was, but the emergence of Kawhi as a superstar on that stage, I think you could argue tips it in favor of the 2014 Spurs. You know what? That's fair. And I just also, this feels like a good point to say, I've been down with the Spurs. The Spurs are, it's just, as the collective uh, NBA Twitter, the fan averse, we're always like, who's the best? But they were clearly the best team for 20 straight years. Who had a better two decades? Right. Yeah, no, no. If, if That's the thing. When you spread five titles over, I think it was a 15-year span. Yeah. And you've got one player and coach who are the through line of that whole time. I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's probably inarguable at this point. I mean, if you want to say that, well, 
you know, the Lakers won three in a row or the Lakers won. I mean, the Lakers did win five also. It's a slightly different time span we start measuring from, right? But you could have the Kobe and Phil Jackson Lakers, Shaq in one edition of them, Pau Gasol in the other edition. Agreed. They won, they won five so that the Lakers would certainly want to argue that point. I'm not sure if anybody else even could get into that discussion. But, and, and so the Lakers did. But then the Lakers had them drop-off years. You know what I'm saying? The Spurs, when the Spurs lost, the Spurs yeah. were a playoff team for what? Yeah. Every right. one of those 15 years? Oh, no, no. They never dropped out of the playoffs during that entire span. So from the moment that Duncan arrives you know, all the way through that fifth championship and beyond, even at their worst. A second round exit is their worst. Yeah. Or we're an eighth seed. You know, maybe we'll go out in the first round. I mean, I I think they had one of those in there somewhere, but no, their ability to never bottom out was absolutely incredible. Now, so if you want to say that the, the off years for the Spurs, the non-championship years were better than the Lakers non-championship years. Yeah. That's probably a good point. Yeah. You know, shouts out to Smush Parker. Uh, you're welcome on the program <laughs> whenever you have time. Uh, you're making I've, Laker fans shudder. You're making Laker fans absolutely just like they're 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 smashing their podcasting devices right now. They are. They they're throwing zooms in the river. And I just want to say, look, my bad. I was just making sure you were still listening. <laughs> so the Spurs are amazing. Is the lockout title a real one for you, or is it yeah. like okay? Yeah. No, of course. Like, there's two lockout titles, right? There's the Spurs lockout title. In 99, 50 games in 90-day regular season, crazy season. And, you know, they beat a Knicks team that nobody even expected to make the finals, right? That comes from, you know, the eighth seed. But every championship matters. Like, we don't talk, we just say the Spurs have five championships. We never talk about, well, they have four, and then there was that one back in 99. And it's the same thing, like, we have, nobody ever talks about the fact that the 11-12 season was a lockout season too, 66 games. And that's when the Heat beat the Thunder for their first championship. So we're not asterisking LeBron's first title. We're not asterisking Duncan's first title. I mean, Phil Jackson liked playing that, that game back in the day. He's, he's yeah. the one who I think is, is almost solely responsible for bringing asterisk into the NBA le- le- lexicon. But nah, man, they all count. They all count. I counted too. David Robinson from my town. Well, to say he's from my town is a stretch. He went to a neighboring high school for like <laughs> two years. That's enough but, to claim him. That's fine. Yeah. So this this makes you just the second best basketball player from your town. Absolutely. God, speaking of which, I played yesterday and I had a LeBron too hot moment. It's a pickup game outdoors in LA. It's like 10 a.m. So it's not, it's not 90 yet but it's like 85 and I stepped out there and had some new Pumas on and played well, hit a few shots, hit a three net. Didn't even, didn't even need to call back a real one. I'm playing some defense, but at the end of the game, I could not move. I couldn't move. There was like a loose ball. It's like nine, nine. We're going to 11. And the guy I'm checking, there's a loose ball. that's about to go out and like, I just prayed it went out of bounds. They get the rebound and hit a two. And the game was over. And everybody was like, hey, you playing again? And I was like, actually, no. I don't know if I should have been playing that first one. See, this is, this is where uh, I have to wonder about your, your hydration, your whole regimen on the court there. Did you have the proper pregame 
regimen, proper training? Were you were you looking after yourself enough? I'm I'm worried about you, Jamel. Like if you're wearing out by the end of a game to eleven in LA heat, there's no humidity out there, so you can't yeah, no. blame that. This is not LeBron cramping up in the AT and T Center. Like you like you've you've got a lot more to work with there. Like what what went wrong? I drank a bunch of Lacroix before the game. <laughs> Apparently, go. apparently, LaCroix, not real water. <laughs> what? What is it? It's like water with um, fucking sea salt in it. Uh, you know what I mean? Bath shampoo or something. You know, like <laughs> so, it's yeah. a little a little bit of baby shampoo, some sea salt, pink Himalayan. That explains why it tastes so great now. It's 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 really the pink <laughs> sea, sea salt. I'm not sure all those bubbles are good for you. While, while trying to play, you know, for an hour out in the heat. That's fair. My final thought, the people that I worry most for in this AC off game, the concession stand employees. I was a concession stand employee at the MCI Center before it was the Verizon Center and then the Capital One Arena. And yes, I know how hot it gets when you have to make 45 chicken tender baskets. So I can't even imagine what they were going through. Hopefully people just stopped ordering food entirely. If you were a concession stand employee at the AT&T Center that night, hit me up. I will give you this shooting shirt off my back. We love you and we appreciate you. Howard, do you have anything to, to take us home with, sir? Concession stand employees are the real heroes. You're right. And I'm sure can, like the, guy, the, the guys who are like frying up the chicken, and everything else, that's rough. But think about the guys who had to like hand out all the water. But, you know, oh, yeah. because people were just been descending on them, just like, like, I'm surprised a water riot didn't break out like some kind of like Mad Max scenario where it's, it's the end of the world and everybody's just fighting over the last bottle of Dasani at the AT&T Center. And they're still saying, hold on, I got to take the cap off first, lest you use this as a, a projectile some point during the game. No, no, no. <laughs> just give me the damn bottle. Stop fiddling with the cap. I'm just, I'm dying of thirst here. Now you got a riot breaking out. Some minimum wage employee <laughs> at the stand is like, shit, like, come on, man. I, like, I, I'm down to my last case of Dasani. Could you guys just back up a little bit? It, it's, uh, we're lucky it didn't result in just an all-out riot and a literal as well as figurative meltdown. And you know who would have loved it the most? Dasani. This might have been Dasani the whole time. We're pointing the finger at Pop and, and some crazy fan. Dasani Water Company. We're looking at you now. It's the industrial military water bottle complex uh, working, <laughs> working behind the scenes. It was them all along. We got it. We're, we're hip to your little schemes. Aquafina might have been in, involved in that somewhere, too. I've, I've oh. always been suspicious of those guys. Oh, no, please. They're number two on my list. We're on to you. Well, damn. I guess we'll launch that investigation later. Howard, thanks for coming on the show again. Uh, you got anything you want to plug? I've replug for me please listen to the crossover i had such a good time on the show absolutely the crossover podcast you can find it on the uh, sports illustrated podcast network along with all of our other great uh podcasts on the nba on baseball football all that stuff so the crossover pod with myself and chris mannix every tuesday and friday appreciate the plug appreciate you coming on thank you it's been a blast Thanks for listening to NBA Storytime. I'm your host, co-writer, and stretch three on the floor, Jamel Johnson. Harry Swartout is our producer, co-writer. 
and a man heavily invested in rec specs. Daniel Hardigan is our script editor and the guy who mops up after people who fall down under the basket. Devin Shepard is our associate producer and the only one who makes sure we all get on the bus on time. Thank you, Devin. Haley O'Shaughnessy is our consulting producer and leading the league in bench points. John Yales and Peter Moses are our executive producers, and they also insisted on calling their own fouls. Real good to you guys. Got an idea for a story you want us to tell? Leave it in a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll put it in front of our podcast homeowners association to see if we're allowed to make it sometime in the future. And I'm not repainting my fence. NBA Storytime is a Blue Wire podcast. Catch you next time.